It is Palm Sunday, which is uh, a triumphant time before a dark time that turns out to be triumphant, right? With the Passover and with uh, Easter Sunday coming next week. So uh, kind of interesting, I, honestly, when I was uh, meditating on what uh, to present today, I really did was not, uh, you know, uh, thinking about Easter, Palm Sunday, anything like that. But I love the way the Lord kind of weaves things in. And the beautiful thing is that, you know, a message is not a, just a Palm Sunday or Easter message. It is a, uh, a, an everyday message and timely. Uh, so we're going to be talking about me and, me and Jesus, the royal we, <laughs> um, <clears throat> tapping into triumphant irresistible joy. Anybody get happy with the title? I think that's an amazing title. <laughs> I I didn't come out of me just in of myself. It was a God thing. <clears throat> so we're going to be tapping into stuff. And, and let me just say this. God is a long range planner, right? And we all um, can uh, gel with the fact that life is rugged. Uh, even in the best of times, life is rugged. And sometimes we look back to the good old days, but then when you really uncover the good old days, they may be not quite as um, <clears throat> nostalgic and uh, worry-free and problem-free as we may have considered them. Uh, you know, humanity, you know, is is in crisis mode, and we do have a lot of crises. We have global crises, but then we've always had global crises, right? And so the need... Uh, to connect with a God uh, that you can rest in, that uh, puts you over, that is triumphant, that redeems, that brings hope, um, <clears throat> and sustains you in the process of uh, hard things um, is, is a universal need. And when we feel that somehow God hasn't lived up to his end of the deal, <laughs> um, we, you know, we get mad at him or we uh we get so offended we think there is no god or we um portray him as somehow um you know there's a dark side to him or a distant side or an uncaring side or a weak anemic side um or a uh you know like a trickster side and all these things that we project onto a lovely god because we're in pain and we see loved ones in pain and we think, well, dang, you know, if you're so good and you're so powerful, how can you let this happen? Or these were your promises and you reneged. Uh, the wicked people out there seem to be uh, triumphing and, uh, you know, the good people are getting screwed. You know what I mean? And so we have these visions and in our human pain, in our alienation, in having to see other people in pain, uh, it's really easy to get offended with God. It's really easy to grow weary and well-doing. It's really easy to um, point fingers 
And uh, the problem is, this is our problem, is that there's nowhere else to go. Like, if God is not who he says he is, we're really screwed. <laughs> I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't have laughed then. Uh, I have this tendency for laughing at inappropriate times. So just, just bear with me and forgive me and hang with there. There's a happy side on the other uh, on this. So just hang in there because we're going to get there. I did title this Tapping into Triumphant Irresistible Joy. So we will get there from here. Hello, everybody. So um, let's let's talk about this um, because it's really important. I mean, if God is not there to meet us where we're at, if God is not there to meet us in our pain, if God is not there to meet us in our confusion, if God is not there to meet us in our brokenness, if God is not there to meet us in our lack, in our, um, you know, rejection, abandonment, poverty, sickness, you name it, all the yucky stuff. If he's not there, uh, then really, um, we might as well just stick our head in the oven. Now I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying don't do that because he is, but <laughs> we'll get there from here. But I also want to be clear that all of this talk about triumphant, ir- irrepressible joy, um, is not a Pollyannish thing where we're just going to do church face and do the happy thing. And, you know, that we don't care that we don't weep with people who weep. And, you know, there, there's tragedy. There's, there's evil that is besetting people. There's horrible things that are happening. And how do we bear that tension, uh, of a lovely God with the ugliness and evil that is manifesting, right? And, and it's just palpable pain. And, you know, um, as I said, to help us grapple with this, because this is a tension, right? This is a tension. And, you know, I was for many years, uh, I was just staunchly in the word of faith camp. And so I just figured, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for what that brought and what that taught me. The downside was that I just took on this burden that if somehow good things didn't happen and prosperity and healing didn't happen and, you know, um, the, you know, the, the, the promises didn't immediately manifest. Well, there was something wrong with my faith. And so I took on this incredible burden. And the bottom line is we're not designed to carry that, right? Because number one, it's not our faith. And number two, Jesus really did say, in this world, you will have tribulation. So if we're looking for a tribulation-free uh, thing, I don't, I don't think that that is a realistic expectation. But I do think uh, what the realistic expectation is that we can cheer up because he has overcome the world. And in that overcoming the world, um, there's a long range plan. And I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, um, making excuses or whatever. We do need to pray. We do need to, um, uh, bear with one another. Uh, we do need to believe God for the, for his promises, but what those promises look like and how they materialized in the midst of things evil going on where people have free will to, um, you know, to terrorize one another and murder one another and torture one another and, you know, abandon and reject and all the things we do in our brokenness as human beings. 
um, where we don't know who we are. We don't know we're created in the image and likeness of love. We don't know that we're holy as Christ is, right? As he is, so are we in this world. So we operate out of false identities and do sinful, horrific things to one another. And that really sucks. Okay. That is in this world, you will have tribulation. Now, the happy thing. <laughs> Yay, we get to go into happy. Um, in the midst of all that, there's, there's a yes with that. That is, that is experiential reality in the human realm. And truly, that has been experiential reality since the fall. However, you want to interpret that. We are not living in heaven on earth. We are living in access to heaven on earth. And in that accessing, not everything has been redeemed yet. And, you know, if if we think the millennium has come or whatever, I don't know what planet that's on because sure looking pretty crappy <laughs> for that to be a God thing. I'm like, what a disappointment if this is it, you know. And so Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but cheer up. I have overcome the world. Now, that's pretty amazing. So either Jesus is an incredible liar, either he is deluded, or uh, he really is who he says he is. And he's tapping with something that's transcendent, that's greater than our pain, greater than our lack, greater, 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 right? And that is what I propose to you. And in the midst we, God is redeeming all things. He really is. He's redeeming all things. He's redeeming, he's conforming us into the image of Christ. He's, he's causing the manifestation and the unveiling of the sons and daughters of God. So that creation is released from its bondage. So something is really going on, but in the place where, you know, there's a lot of us that we're still really confused. Like we have not fully manifested. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. We are in process. And in the meantime, there's a ton of people that um, don't know him at all, uh, or only know him in some faint recess, okay, um, that are doing what I did at one point in my life or running away from him, uh, that are serving idols, serving other gods and, you know, throwing people under the bus and you name it. So there's a lot of mess still in the process when God is redeeming all things to himself. So being the long range planner in our day today, with whatever you are dealing with, whatever pain point you have, uh, with uh, what has not been um, uh, redeemed uh, yet in full manifestation, all of that, um, there is a um, an invitation to partake of something so that honestly we can endure well, God is masterfully redeeming all things to himself in his master plan. And so that has everything to do with our relationship with him. And I bring up all these places where we can become jaded, where we can become disillusioned, where we can become hopeless, where we can become um, offended with God and feel like, okay, you know, here's a sinless God, but it sure as hell looks like you sinned here, Jesus, because I would have healed that person. I would have kept that person from being raped. I would have kept that person out of the sex trade industry. I would have kept that person from murdering someone. So I would have, I would have, I would have, I would have, as if we're better people than God. Okay. And so in the place where that's feeling really true, that will need ministry. And so, uh, you know, I, I invite you if to be honest. God, you know, you can't minister to a problem you won't, you refuse to recognize. 
And I, I like to liken that to, um, you know, if, if you have a, a say, a, a, a tumor, a cancer in your body, okay, but if you refuse to give access to um, uh, to the people that are trying to heal you, okay, that tumor is probably is not it's not gonna be good. It's gonna disable and may kill you, all that kind of thing. And so we've got to bring our tumors, our cancers, our hopelessness, our offense, um, whatever the deal is in authenticity before God so that he can heal it. And you may have to forgive a sinless God. Okay. Because that's in our heart of hearts. That's how we feel. You know, why are you holding out on me? Well, God isn't, but it sure feels like that. Well, why are, why does it feel like you're so weak? Like the wicked are so strong and you're do nothing. And that needs ministry. So I say that at the get go so that as, as you engage with God there, God is able to minister to those places that do feel alienated, that do feel abandoned. You know, I, I'm kind of in the middle of a conversation with someone um, who is so depressed uh, that he really, he really wants to believe that God will just annihilate him. And I'm like, well, God is not an annihilator. Uh, he's a healer and he's a redeemer. And so we're just having this back and forth, but he's honestly um, sharing his angst. And I have no problems with people uh, being honest. I mean, I, I think that's brilliant. Like uh, that needs to happen. Like don't pretend like you're a good little Christian and you have a chip on your shoulder. Of course you're a good little Christian, but sometimes we get hurt. So we need to bring those to the surface so they can be healed, so they can be ministered to, right? Okay. Uh, so I say all that to help get us on the other side. Hallelujah, there's another side. <laughs> okay. So in order to tap into triumphant, irresistible joy, we have to come clean with the things that really just don't look like that and, and bring them before the Lord. And then he leads you into this place. The question is, how, how do we endure when the answer hasn't come yet, hasn't materialized, where the money is not there, where someone's put out on the streets, where the wicked look like they're totally have all the power. Um, you know, how do we endure, uh, you know, when, uh, when we're in pain, when we're in a physical pain, when we're in emotional pain, when good people die, good people are murdered, when there's racism, sexism, whatever ism. That's still just wrong when injustice prevails, right? When um, sickness and disease um, are kicking our butts, right? You name it. So how do we prevail? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I, I, I felt it in the spirit you're asking. Um, let's talk about that. So uh, just, just to cut to the chase, to endure, we need strength. And it needs to be supernatural strength because none of us as strong and, and, and triumphant and amazing as we are, are going to be able to get through this in our own strength. Jesus said, as you remain in me and me and you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, you know, in every place that feels apart, that just needs ministry because it's a lie, but sometimes a lie really feels true, right? So that just needs ministry. So Holy Spirit can minister his truth that you are not apart from him. And that's where you can tap into seamlessly um, what he is providing in the here and now. And one of the things um, that is clear that he 
provides is the fruitfulness of his spirit. So let's talk about that. Um, let's take off our Sunday school, you know, uh, ears. I've heard this before. Let's listen with fresh ears so we can actually receive. So Galatians 522, I'm reading this from the Amplified Classic, uh, version, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes. So number one, it's his presence. He accomplishes it and it's a work within is love, joy, or gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance. Kindness, goodness, benevolence, or gentleness, right? Um, faithfulness and self-control. So that's the fruit. So Jesus said, as you remain in me and me and you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's his fruit. So it, that is the infrastructure that allows you not only to endure, but to endure well and to endure with joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So remaining in Christ, that's in that functional relationship. You're already one with him. He didn't pull you and ask your opinion. He didn't ask your vote. He just wants you to agree, turn your affection towards him so you can receive of what is already true. You're agreeing with it didn't make it true. You're agreeing with it allowed the truth of it to, to be embodied and for you to live out that truth. Okay, so let's uh, let's go to um, this joy thing because we're talking about um, overcoming, tapping into triumphant, irresistible joy, irrepressible joy. So how do we get there from here? Well, let's turn our affections to the one who is Mr. Joy, <clears throat> the one who is love, who is altogether lovely, who is has got the gladness above all his fellows. He is joyful, not because he's delusional and doesn't see people's pain, because he has overcome it. <laughs> he cheered up because he overcame, right? Uh, let's go to, um, uh, let's talk about this joy. And I'm going to take you to Genesis 14, 16 through 24. And this is a really interesting scripture. I never saw this before. So this is fun. And this is the Amplified Classic. Now, this is uh, Abraham and all his uh, wives and and servants and goods had been um, stolen and everybody was, you know, in despair. Um, and so verse 16, and he brought back all of his goods and also brought back his kinsmen, Lot and his possessions, the women also and the people. Um, after his, Abraham's return from the defeat, slaying of Charlemagne Meander, I said that wrong, but I'm not going to worry about it. And the kings who were with him, the king of Saddam, went out to meet him at the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley. Okay, verse 18. Melchizedek, king of Salem, later called Jerusalem, brought out the bread and the wine. Ding, 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 ding. Is this bringing to bread and wine? This is, this is a foreshadow of the new covenant. I am the bread. I am the wine partaking of Christ, right? And it's interesting. That was Melchizedek, king of Salem, uh, brought out the bread and wine for their nourishment. So God, so Christ as our Passover lamb, right? We're getting into that season, right? Is our bread and wine. He is our nourishment. Okay. Let's, um, let's keep on going. Uh, he was the priest of God most high and he blessed him. Melchizedek blessed, um, Abram, um, and said, blessed, favored with blessings made blissful and joyful. 
You see, God's blessing is his favor, his bliss, and his joy. And you're not trying to get there from here. You're awakening to the fact that you're already there. You know, um, one of the things, um, you know, I, 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 uh, <clears throat> went to, um, Karis Bible College at one point. And one of the things that was really good is that they'd always, you'd say, how, how are you doing? And the good thing was that they, most of them would say, I'm blessed and highly favored. And that's true. <laughs> now, if that's what you need to keep yourself, uh, uh, aware of that blessing, do that. If that is church face, and you're not owning up to the pain that I'm actually asking about. So maybe it can be ministry. Then that is kind of a hypocritical thing. So make sure when you, when you do stuff like that, um, it is actually ministering to you, not a mask you put on because you're trying to perform the blessed and highly favored status when internally you're just trying to believe it, right? <laughs> so we can be authentic with one another. Um, while we're confessing things that really are true, but you know, it's okay. And it is necessary to recognize that we're in a process. And so we need to be honest with one another, not put on a church face, okay? Not put on a happy face, but let the Lord minister so that face can um, can authentically reflect the joy that is resident. See, we're tapping into something that is true and, our, and, and the goal is to help you get there from here, right? Um, and that's the Lord's goal. Okay, let's go to, um, I just thought that was fascinating. Let's go to uh, Psalm 1. Uh, what delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? Now, God does lead us into paths of peace, right? Um, and paths of righteousness. The righteousness is his holiness, which is his wholeness, right? Which is a beautiful thing, not an ugly thing. It's gorgeous, right? Um, he won't walk and step with the wicked, nor share in the sinner's way, nor be found in the scorner's seat. So these are referring to false identities. Right? Because God is not saying, uh, you are a, uh, wicked sinner scorner. He's saying, <clears throat> this is not who you are. And so you are not to walk in those ways because walking in those ways belies the fact that you are the righteousness of God in me, that I've made you my righteousness. So I am unveiling, I am after every false identity and way of being that you're acting like that's what it is. Because if you're acting like that, you're going to, as a man thinking of his heart, so is he. And then you're going to act out of those places. You're going to act in sinful ways like mockers, sinners, scorners, but that's not who you are. So don't walk in that way. He's, he's challenging our ways of being and our ways of viewing ourselves that are not in line with what he says. He said, as he is, so are we in this world. So is Jesus holy? Yes. Is he whole? Yes. Okay. So he's not a mocker scorner. Okay. He's not a sinner and neither are you. Okay. Um, and he wants you to gel with that. So don't walk in that way. Um, his passion is to make, be main true to the word of I am. What is the word of I am? Well, I am, he's all, everything we need, right? I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am love. I am truth, right? So he's all those things. And we're walking in the way. We're true to who Christ is. And we're we're dependent on him. Apart from him, we can do nothing to remain true to that. So Jesus, who are you? Oh, okay. That's who you are. So that's who I am in your image and likeness. And as I maintain and abide in my union with you, the fruit of that 
uh, automatically comes. I'm not trying to work it out. I'm not busting a gut trying to get there from here. I'm not trying to <clears throat> fake it till I make it. I am, am reclining in what you've already finished so I can partake of who you are, okay? Um, meditating day and night, uh, a true revelation of night, of, of light. So <clears throat> one of the things we do is meditating. What are we doing? We're meditating on these things. And as we meditate, we start to partake of them. That's what we're doing. We're turning our affection to what God is saying about this triumph, triumphant joy in the midst that caused us to put us over, right? And helps us endure in the quote unquote yucky here and now, right? Um, he will be standing firm. This is strength. Standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design. Deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss. You see, as you're rooted and grounded in love, you are unstoppable. Because Holy Spirit is causing you to comprehend more and more the length, breadth, depth, and height of that love. And to know the love of Christ that passes all our understanding, the peace that passes all our understanding, so that we're filled with the fullness of him, right? So we're not operating on double E, right? Uh, planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss. So you're not only partaking of love that you are rooted and grounded in, that you are one with, but you are partaking of the brooks of bliss, Holy Spirit, uh, who's one happy camper <laughs> and you are partaking of that. That's your nourishment. That's your life. <clears throat> that's your sustenance. And because of that, you are bearing fruit in every season of life. God's ability to root you, ground you in him and, and cause you to partake of the brooks of bliss cause you to bear fruit in every season of your life. He is the alpha, he's the omega and every letter in between. And so in that place, we're able to partake. We're able to endure. We're able to recover and we're able to finish well. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. You see, God gives you the capacity to not to, 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 um, to, to water the dryness, uh, to, um, to give you strength in the area of fainting, to make you aware of the ever blessed status you are, you and you have, and to prosper you. Above all things, I wish you may prosper and be in health. What? Even as your soul prospers. So what's the issue? Well, our souls need to prosper. How do our souls prosper? Well, as we're doing what we're doing. As we're partaking of who Christ is, of the I am, of the one who is joyful, as we're, we're remaining and abiding, we're bearing fruit and we're letting him minister in every area that needs encounter, every area that feels faint, every area that feels um, hopeless, every area that feels um, discouraged. Every area that feels anxious, every area that feels terrified, every area that feels separate and, and, and alienated, every area that feels impoverished, every area that's in pain. And that's how we roll. Let's keep on going. Psalm 3, 8, uh, for the Lord alone is my savior. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Uh, one of the things that we need in order to partake um, is that we need to recognize there is one source 
and one source only. And uh, one of the pushbacks I kind of give for some of the the tracks that I do see people run on is they is they they kind of act like they're their own god, um, and you are not your own source. It's all within you, but God sourced it within you as He is the source, and you get that because of your union with Christ. Uh, we're not God; we're one with Him, and we're little G gods. And so we are partaking of the divine nature, but we have to understand there's someone greater than us who sustains it in, in all things, everything consists. Um, the cosmos does not consist in me. Thank God. That's way too big for me. But the, the cosmos consists in the one who is love and the one that shows us in love, the one that you're in union with. So he alone is the savior. And then there's a, lots of conduits. Right. We all get to be conduits of that, but we're not the source. And that confusion will keep you from a lot of trouble and a lot of confusion and a lot of, um, uh, uh, help protect you from idolatry, which will suck the life out of you and spit you out. Okay. We can't make idols of one another, even while we recognize the divine nature and the glory within each and every one of us. Right. Um, what a feast of favor and bliss he gives his people. See, he gets to be savior. And because of that, like it really works. Okay. There's a feast. It's not a little dabble do, but there's a feast of favor and bliss. I love the word bliss because sometimes, um, we, we we're, we're kind of a little burnout on joy. We think we kind of, you know, we yeah, have been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, you know. And so sometimes we need to approach it from a different angle, right? And we get to feast on that because we get to feast on him. You know, the more you partake of, of him, the happier he gets. Why? Because he's the source. He gets to be the source. He wants to, he gets to be the savior. Uh, it's his heart and desire to be because we're actually partaking of him. Um, okay, let's go to Psalm 21. Um, Yahweh, because of your strength, the king is strong. Okay. Now understand this is really a prophetic word about Christ, but understand he's the king of, oh yeah, kings. <laughs> You're a king and priest. Okay. Look how he rejoices in you. Now I want you to say, look how God rejoices in you. He bursts out with a joyful song because of Christ's victory for you have given him, his heart's desire. You know what Christ's heart's desire is? You. Is you. You're his heart's desire. Anything and everything he asks for. So he's redeeming all things, right? You haven't withheld a thing from the king. And God has not withheld a thing from you. He that spared not his only son, how shall he freely not with him? Uh, give us all things. Okay. <laughs> He's not a withholder. Which blessings overflow with every encounter with you? You see, your source, your supply is wrapped up in your, the encounter you're having and your next encounter right? With the one who is love. And you placed a royal crown of gold upon his head. Okay. And you have a royal crown of gold upon your head. You're the king of kings, lord of lords, right? Co-heir. Um, he wanted life and you have given it to him and more. The days of blessing 
stretch one after another forever. You have honored him and made him famous. Glory garments are upon him and you surround him with splendor and majesty. Let me just say this. You're surrounding, you sur- Father surrounded Christ with splendor and majesty, ding, da, ding, ding. But as he is, so are we in this world. So you are surrounded with splendor and majesty. What joy and bliss he tastes rejoicing before your face and what joy and bliss you can taste as you rejoice before the face of the one who loved you and gave himself up for you, right? The forever love of the Most High holds him, holds you firm. So you may feel like you're all over the map, okay? But, and, and not, I can't even hold on. Well, he's holding on to you. <laughs> you see, God was so in love with his kids that he chose them before the foundation of the world, united them in him before the foundation of the world to be made without spot or blemish before him in love. So he secured that. He wasn't taking any chances, okay? And now he is, his, his job is to awaken you to that reality so that you are able to partake. And in that partaking, we are conformed into the image of Christ, of love himself. It's pretty heady, amazing stuff. Let's go to Psalm 23. This is great. I'm reading this from the Passion Translation. You might want to check that out. It's so much fun. Yahweh, oh my goodness, is my best friend and my shepherd. (laughs) I have always more than enough. And I want to read the note on this. It says the word most commonly used for shepherd is taken from the root word ra'ah, which is also the Hebrew word for best friend. Isn't that beautiful? Your shepherd is your best friend. The translation includes both meanings. The unique term for shepherd is ro'etzan, lover of the flock. See, us as flocks, we get confused. We go in the wrong direction. We are pathetic in helping ourselves sometimes. But as he shepherds us, we are protected and taken care of. Um, this teaches us that a shepherd is not just a responsible overseeing, but a caring father figure tending to his flock out of deep sense of love. Shepherds also are also fierce protectors of their flocks. Jesus is the fierce protector of his people. That's you. I always have more than enough. Okay, let me, let me uh, get to the commentary here because this is great. Or I lack nothing. What a wonderful declaration of your life to never be in lack, always possessing more than enough. God meets our emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. Let's continue. He offers, I love this so much. This is actually why I chose this one, just because I, I like, yes. Um, he offers a resting place for me, for you in his luxurious love. I'm going to read the commentary on that because this is so good. It says, or in spring green meadows, a good shepherd knows where the pasture, where to pasture his flock. These green meadows would be a resting place free from all fear. We all need a resting place to recover. The Greek word to love is agapeo, which means the merging of two words, ago 
means to lead like a shepherd. And pow is a verb that means to rest. Love is our shepherd leading us to the place of true rest in his heart. You can rest because you are loved. You are adored. Let's keep on moving. He track, he takes me, he, he tracks, his tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. Anybody seeing a pattern here? We have the brook of bliss again. Um, so the Hebrew word, I'm going to say this wrong. Uh, men, menhua means the waters of a resting place. And then he restores, let's see what it says exactly here. That's where he restores and revives my life. Anybody need some um, restoration being revived in our life? Um, the, um, the commentary is he causes my life or my soul to return. So often life drains out of us through our many activities, but as David found, God restores our well-being when we pursue what pleases him and when we rest in him. You know what pleases him? Intimacy and relationship. Uh, it's all about love. It's all about receiving his love and loving others. We were given one new commandment to love as he loves. That makes him happy. <laughs> and that is where we are striving. Let's go to uh, Psalm 32, uh, verse 1. What bliss belongs to the one whose rebellion has been forgiven? Uh, what bliss belongs to those who have confessed their corruption to God? For he wipes their slates clean and removes hypocrisy from their hearts. This is where you get to um, uh, uh, experience your original innocence, right? Um, because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all operated from fallen mindsets where we don't know who we are. We don't know as he is, so are we in this world. And out of that place, we've done sinful behaviors. And in that place, we are, our consciences have been defiled. And those consciences accuse us, right? And so feeling clean is our birthright. He made us without spot or blemish before him in love. That's our birthright where we violated love. We violate our own conscience. And so we need the ministry of forgiveness. That's why the, what, the covenant of forgiveness is a real thing. And where we're, we, we, we've not been experiencing that forgiveness and not forgiven ourselves, uh, we are limping. And it's very hard to partake when you feel condemned. And so um, that's why there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That's why he doesn't remember our sins, right? This forgiveness piece is a real thing. And I, and I, and I take, um, you know, I, I, I disagree with the people say that, you know, there's no such thing, thing of sin. Of course there is. Um, you know, we have, we have horrible things that we invite, we hurt one another and we've all done it. Okay. And it's not because we have a sin nature. It's because we don't know that we have a holy nature, right? And that's already been taken care of. The, so we, we actually had the old man is dead. We have a new man that is righteous and a new creature. We have no sin nature, but we do have ways of being 
that we're confused and we act as if we did have a sin nature. Those are, those are, um, the, um, the constructs of the flesh, right? Um, but that's not a nature. Okay. That's confusion. All right. And out of that place of confusion, we sin. So we need to be, to experience that forgiveness and we need to extend forgiveness. I mean, that is how we maintain freedom, right? Um, Psalm, uh, 145. I guess I'll do just one more. Um, it says your awe inspiring acts of power have everyone talking. This is verse one. I am, oh, this is verse six. Sorry. I'm telling people everywhere about your excellent greatness. Okay. So this is all about bragging on Jesus. This is kind of the evangelism thing because you're so excited because you've actually encountered this breathtaking person who's transformed your life. Our hearts bubble over as we celebrate the fame of your marvelous beauty bringing bliss to our hearts. God is breathtakingly beautiful and you are breathtakingly beautiful in his image. We shout with ecstatic joy over your breakthrough for us. Hallelujah. Breakthrough on our behalf. Uh, you're kind and tenderhearted to those who don't deserve it and very patient with people who fail you. <laughs> Isn't that good news? First attributes of love are patience and kindness. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. God, everyone, everyone sees your goodness for your tender love is blended into everything you do. You see, as we look under him, the author and finisher of faith, and we're able to partake of him, we're able to remain in him and we bear much fruit that books of brooks of bliss that cause us to tap into triumphant, irrepressible joy. It's, 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 it's there. It's just there for you as we engage and as we meditate and as we partake and as we are engaged with the one who is absolutely wild about us. He brings us up to transcend out of the yucky here and now into something that is eternal. He is eternal life. Knowing him is eternal light. So these light and momentary troubles are working for us. He's even taken the evil crap to work for us, a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory that doesn't go away, that doesn't wear off. As we look not at the things which are seen, the yucky here and now, but the things which are unseen, uh, that calls us to transcend and he gives us his joy to be able to endure in the process and always causes us to triumph. Uh, you were made for that. You were made to track with that. So anyway, I hope this has been a blessing uh, for you today. Please share this with someone who needs it. We need to be resonating in this triumphant joy. And it is infectious. Allow Holy Spirit to infect you in every area that feels infected by the fallenness of the world, by COVID, by crap all around us, because his infection trumps that infection. <laughs> and I love you guys. Thank you for watching, listening, engaging. Have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit katherinetoon.com.